Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa. He a big clap, mate. So. Gather round, villains, and welcome to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. In this episode, we shall be reacting to Villa's successful away day by the beach in Brighton as we look ahead to the weekend return to home comforts as the Saints come marching into B6 and hopefully squirm away with nothing at the end of the day. Before we start, um, I just want to um, say a couple of things. Um, obviously, everyone at underagaslitlamp.com, and I imagine across the Villa fan base, um, will send their, their absolute best wishes, love and support to everyone in the in the Ukraine, everyone associated with the atrocities that are going on there. Um, it feels like a weird time to be doing a football podcast but I do think it's probably worth trying to carry on as normal where we can. Um, so love and light to everyone affected. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll crack on. Um, I'm Andy. And this week, I'm delighted to have my strike partnership back, just as Stephen Gerrard was at the weekend. And I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Anwar El Ghazi and Trezeguet are back again in the team. We just need to find Wesley, which is probably uh, Mark Jarobi, and we'll be we'll have a full complement of uh, relegation battlers. Um, great to be back. Wonderful to be discussing a long overdue uh, Villa win with uh, yourself, Andy, and of course, Mr. Daniel Betridge. Yeah, it's good to have the band back together. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, I enjoyed missing last week's defeat chat. I mean, I had enough of that the week before with Andy, but it's nice to be back and discussing a win for a change. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good one to come back to, and um, we'll start with strike partnerships. Um, as Gerard made a, a somewhat surprising move of re- reuniting Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins um, up front, as Emi Buendia dropped to the bench. Esri Konza came came back in for Callum Chambers, um, which was the only other change as the the boss kept faith with his misfiring midfield. There was also a new face on the bench as Tommy O'Reilly replaced Carney Chukwemeka, um, who had apparently picked up an injury. First of all, Ings and Watkins is 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 back again. Uh, Gerard stated afterwards that he wanted to get his goal scorers on the pitch. Um, are you seeing the logic in this team selection, and and what could this mean for Emi Buendia? Um, I see the logic absolutely um, to, to to some extent. Um, I think that the good news is we, we won the game. I uh, pleaded last week uh, for one of the number 10s to be dropped because it wasn't working with both of them. Um, I suggested it should be Coutinho who dropped out because I think Wendy has been playing better. But Andy, you quickly slapped me on, on, the, on the top of the head with that one and reminded me that Philip Coutinho is always going to play. And you're absolutely right. Uh, Philip Coutinho did play. Uh, wasn't particularly outstanding, but um, Coutinho is probably always going to get the nod against Buendia. Um, I have thoughts about that. But obviously, 
Coutinho isn't our player, Buendia is. So that is an interesting thing. And I think that Buendia has been playing better than Coutinho. So, um, but the main thing is that, uh, that, that Gerard managed to adjust his system. I think he stopped with some of his fullback nonsense, which lots of the fan base, ourselves included, have been really upset about. And uh, he was able to go back to the basics that got him the win against Brighton last time and the early wins against Crystal Palace, so on and so forth. We were solid. We kept a clean sheet. And in the end, it was a comfortable win. Um, the Ings and Watkins partnership is is interesting. I have lots of thoughts about that, but uh, we can come back to that in a minute. Uh, Daniel, what did you think about the starting lineup? Well, firstly, I'm with you on the Buendia chat. I mean, it, it seems bizarre to talk about dropping Coutinho, but if I'm Buendia, I'm, I'm frustrated at being dropped at the weekend. I think he's been our best player for a while. But no, I mean, it, it's all well and good saying that you want your goal scorers on the pitch, but that only works if you know they're scoring goals, which in this case Watkins did, but Danny Ings was again conspicuous by his absence on the pitch for Villa. I mean, we won, which covers up a multitude of sins, but it was not a pretty performance from Ings again. Um, But yeah, like Craig says, I think the one good thing about putting the two strikers back on is it was a slight tactical tweak that meant the fullbacks couldn't get as high, which is what we've been crying out for. And I think we saw an all-round better performance from Villa because of that. So I think this, this formation maybe gets the best out of our players, but apart from Danny Ings, who we've we've kind of put it into place to accommodate. But do you know what? If they both start firing again, I, it doesn't matter. It'll be water under the bridge, and, and I'll take back everything bad I've ever said about Danny Ings. But for now, thank God Ollie scored, because we'd have had a lot more to talk about if he hadn't. I think it's interesting with, with the Danny Ings um, situation, because I heard a lot of people kind of saying um, they didn't think he had a good game, Um a lot of people were saying they didn't think Ollie Watkins had a good game. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Craig shaking yeah, his I was head. Say, but, no audio on Craig shaking <laughs> his head that hard. <laughs> but um, there was apparently, you know, Gerard was at, at, at pains to point out really that he was he was impressed with the work rate of, of Danny Ings and, and what he brought to the team. And um, apparently things like he had more touches and think maybe Danny Ings... Uh, numbers kind of stacked up quite well for him, uh, even if he he wasn't really on the score sheet as such. Um, and sometimes I think <clears throat> there is something to be said for for having the two strikers and kind of occupying the the um, the back three as it was. I, I think for Brighton, so um, it's it's an interesting move. Um, I think they had to do something. They had to change something. It is a shame for for Emmy Boindier because he has been he has been good um, over over the the last sort of couple of months. Really, I think he's 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 really kind of been one of the the standout players. Um, but this is the thing when you've got when you've got a guy like Coutinho, he's he's going to generally occupy one of the places in the team, isn't he? And if you happen to be um, in competition with him, you, you're only going to play if, if he's if he's injured. So, unfortunately, whether he's he's on loan or not, there's there's, there's absolutely no point having him there if he's if he's not going to play. Is is essentially the the, the issue, and he is a better player than Buendia. He's more likely to do something. He's more likely to make make things happen. Um, and of course, he, he he did nearly score, didn't he, in, in the game? But um, it is a shame for Buendia. But um, this is this is Premier League football, isn't it? And um, 
he's got to when he gets his opportunity, which he will at some point, he'll he needs to he needs to make sure he's ready and 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 he's and he's taking it really. So um, yeah, but interesting interesting team selection and not one I was too. I think there was quite a lot of conjecture about it, but I was quite pleased to see to see it because I like to see things freshened up a bit. Um, it was it was very it was very very fresh. I think um, the I had thought maybe stupidly that he would take one of the number tens out and bring in an extra midfielder to to solidify the pitch or bring in a centre back for Andy's favourite three at the back <laughs> formation. Um, just to just to you know shut up shop a little bit because we had lost one in eight, which is as we discussed in detail last couple of weeks as relegation form. I think the the interesting. I wanted to see your guys' thoughts on on Ings and Watkins because I do not have nice thoughts, <laughs> <laughs> and I was hoping that that maybe you know there would be some balance. Daniel, it doesn't seem like you have nice thoughts either, and Andy, you you kind of ducked ducked him a little bit. But I think um, Ings again, <laughs> lads, and I'm trying to bite my tongue here a little bit because I've kind of had enough of him. Um, in December on a podcast here, I asked. Um, I asked a hypothetical hypothetical question to the both of you, and I said, "If Newcastle were to come in with with the money that we paid for Ings, you know, would we would would you take it?" I think Daniel said, "I'll drive in there myself." Andy, you were unsure, and I I was also on the fence myself. I was like, "No, it's still you know half a season in. Maybe we should think about um, you know if if a big came in, maybe we should think about it." But now I I've seen another game there where Danny Ings has been given an opportunity another game where he hasn't had a shot, another game where he's had 22 touches of the football. And I think it's disgraceful, actually. This is a £30 million player who is, in my humble opinion, yet to have a good game. It's disastrous. I'm looking for something from him that I'm not seeing. The man with his back to goal is, is, is probably as bad a striker as you'll see. And I don't say that lightly. He's genuinely unable to trap and control a football or win any kind of duel against a, a, a defender. And obviously he's not a, the biggest guy, but uh, I grew up watching Dean Saunders down at Villa Park, who wasn't the biggest guy, but he would be able to stick his backside in, pin his man and lay off a football. I'm just not seeing any creativity. I'm not seeing any goal threat. Um he just seems like an absolute passenger to me. And, and it's a little bit frightening because I, I don't see how we even get money back for him. Who's who's going to take him after these performances at the end of the season? Should we want shot of him? I don't think you do get money. And that's the worrying thing. Like, I mean, all players go through bad spells, but the reason why you spend 30 million on a 29-year-old is guaranteed returns. That's the point. You buy them at that age because you want them to score goals now and, and be in that kind of winning window now. And he's, we've lost a year of Danny Ings. Like, and he probably doesn't have that many left. I and mean, it's, well, I'm talking about his football career, by the way. He's not terminally ill or anything, I hope. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, we've lost a year of production out of him. That's probably 10 million gone like of what we spent. And it, it increasingly looks like a bad transfer, not just because of his on-the-pitch performance, but because of it creates a drag on the whole team. We're talking about the change in formation that we've had to do to accommodate a player who isn't playing well. And and we'll come on to Watkins, who's been affected by it too and, and looks like he's rounding a corner. But but yeah, increasingly the Danny Ings transfer is looking like it's one of the worst ones in recent history for Villa. I mean, it's not quite Bosco Balaban levels, but it's not far off at the moment, to be honest with you. The, the problem with, um, with strikers is... 
Um, and they've got a similar situation, I think, with Lukaku at Chelsea, is they ain't going to score. They're not going to run into form as sitting on the bench or in the stands. Um, And that's not to say that you must pick them, because clearly if you've got better players um, or better options, then you you must pick them. But we've seen... um, I mean, when, for me, Buendia, you know, is is certainly in better form than Ings, but they occupy different areas of the field. Um, the only player I think that you would you would say probably is competition for Ings is is um, is is Leon Bailey, um, and he's looked rusty at best um, in the, the the little cameos he's made so far. Um, again, though, he's not going to get any better unless he plays. So. It's 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 we've got this kind of mishmash of a, a squad, haven't we? Really, um, there's no real cohesion. There's no real kind of sense that well, that's our front three or that's our front two, and we're happy with that, and they play every week. There's this idea that we are we're having to keep refreshing it and keep changing it um, until something clicks. Um, and it, it even though Watkins scored, and we'll, we'll we'll come on to the game shortly, but. Even though Watkins, you know, did score the goal, by no means is that a you know a, a kind of sign that 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 front two or that front three um, did any like click together at all. I don't think. What yeah, Watkins looked like he was wearing lead boots. The ball was bouncing off him so much. I mean, I think that's that's confidence as well. Uh, I don't think that other than the goal, Watkins had a particularly bright game either. But. It seems as though, uh, to, to Daniel's point, as Danny Ying seems to be dragging Watkins down with him. Now, if you're operating heavy machinery or driving a vehicle, I suggest that you stop or pull over. But I kept thinking to myself, and I told my cat this, she didn't respond, but I told her anyway while I was watching this game on a Saturday morning here at 10 a.m. with my uh, cup of tea. I kept thinking to myself, if, if we're going to play two up front here in this match, how much more effective would, would Keenan Davis be alongside Ollie Watkins in this formation than Danny Ings would? Yes, we know about Keenan Davis's limitations, but he's going to bring other people into play. He's going to be able to hold the ball up. He's certainly going to work the defenders and create more spaces for the likes of Coutinho. And, 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 and that's not me saying, oh, clearly, there's no argument that Keenan Davis is a better Premier League striker than Danny Ings. I'm not going to suggest that. On this day or on that day and in this system, I just couldn't help but think, my goodness, wouldn't Ollie Watkins, wouldn't we be doing much better today with with Davis rather than Danny Ings up front? And that to me is an insane thought that I'm thinking. I Like, this is Danny Ings. I mean, am I being harsh on him? I, I just expected so much more than we've got. I mean, I'm looking at his stats here. 19 appearances in the Premier League, four goals. One of those is a penalty, two assists. I just expected so much more from him, and I'm really, really disappointed um, in Danny Ings, frankly. And and three of those four goals were in defeats mm-hmm. as well. It's only the Newcastle goal yeah. um, that was that was in a in a win in a Villa win. So um, you know, and it was obviously a great goal. But yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm I'm still I'm still of the mind that um, I think there's goals in him. He doesn't really look. Um, particularly fit, and he doesn't look particularly sharp at the moment. That's the problem. And there will have to come a stage where Gerard, um, 
just decides, do you know what? He's, 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 he can't play for the rest of the season. He's just got to, he's just got to sit it out because like you say, you can't, you can't just change, change the system to accommodate, you know, a player that's not, that's not, not really doing an awful lot, I suppose. Um, and it is a shame. I was really excited when we signed him. Um, mm. You know, I think we all were really. Um, yeah, we were. time, but but there we go. Um, we'll see how it goes, and obviously at the weekend he's up against his old club, so we'll see if that that makes any difference. But you know, after a, a, a cagey start to the match um, at Brighton, it was it was Villa who drew for first blood as Luca Dean's uh, cross was was kind of half cleared, and it fell to Matty Cash who controlled before hitting an inch-perfect drive from 20 yards in off the post. <clears throat> there was no stopping it, really, and Cash showed excellent technique, um, the like of which has obviously, as we've said, eluded um, the attackers in the team recently. Um, Cash was booked for removing his shirt to reveal a message for his, his Polish teammate, Thomas Kitzura, who plays for U- Ukrainian club uh, Dynamo Kiev. And... He's, uh, he's obviously currently stuck in a in a war zone. Um, it was a show of solidarity to his friend and all, all the Ukrainian people, but also um, a lovely strike and a real confidence booster for the right back. Yeah, I, firstly, I know, I know rules are rules, but maybe there needs to be a little bit of common sense here and rescind that yellow card for Matt Cash in a, a weekend where we had shows of support for Ukraine across football grounds, a player taking off his shirt with a message, probably not the worst offence, but I was actually, Craig wasn't on yet uh, when Andy and I logged on this call, but we were chatting and, and kind of asking, does Matty Cash score that goal if he doesn't have the message kind of under his shirt? And it's it's an interesting one, a right back who scored one goal before in a Villa shirt, and maybe it gives him that extra edge, that extra one or two percent. And I mean, he showed it. He got to the ball first, a great touch to get it out of his feet and, and a great strike. And I, I couldn't be happier for him. It obviously meant a lot to him. And I mean, I kind of, I poke fun at Matt Cash sometimes on this podcast. And I've said before that I'll rip someone's arm off if they offer us 40 million for him. And I'm, I'm only half joking because of that. But he's, there's a reason why people are linking him with Atletico Madrid. And he's, I've not seen a player as improved as him as, you know, from the championship, stepping up to the Premier League, last year was superb defensively. This year has adjusted to two or three new systems and, and come through with flying colours each time. And and long may it continue. He seems like a good lad and it was a great moment for him. And I'm kind of glad he, he had that message underneath his shirt. Terrible handwriting, but we're not judging him on that. We're judging him on the message. But fair play, Matty. It was a good moment for him. It was. I think we've we've discussed Matty Cash on this uh, podcast. Uh, certainly one of the star, uh, the breakout stars last season for Aston Villa came in and really made his mark, made the right back position his own, a troubled position for Villa in in Villa's recent history, and uh, and uh, you know certainly one that uh, some of our recent right backs we won't name certainly catch catch Andy's eye on. but anyway um, Matty Cash put an end to all of that I think defensively he's he's lovely the only thing I think positionally he's very good I think in the air Matty Cash is not a, a tall man but he punches above his weight 1v1 challenges uh, he excels very few uh, wingers or forwards get the better of Matty Cash occasional penalty gives away uh, he's done that a couple of times but again if you're right back playing 38 Premier League games it's not unreasonable that you would concede a penalty or two over the course of a season so that's not a major 
a major drawback. The only critique we've had of, of Matty Cash, and it's been a fair one, and, and it's one that Matty Cash has, has, has had of himself personally in his interviews with Villa TV, is that his final product has been nowhere near good enough. So a wonderful strike, hopefully a confidence booster for, for Matty Cash. And that there are some, to, to, to paraphrase Steve Bruce, who's doing a bang-up job over at Albion, by the way, <laughs> we're seeing the green shoots. We're seeing the green shoots from, uh, from Matty Cash in terms of his, his final, uh, final ball now. We saw an assist a few weeks ago for Coutinho, which I think was the first one in, in, in months and months and months. We've seen a goal now, only a second goal ever for Aston Villa. So, I mean, while one swallow does not make a summer, he's, he's, he's not exactly uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at the moment in time, but he's taking steps in the right direction and long may it continue. Because as we said before, again on this show, if Matty Cash can add that, uh, that, that final ball and that, that goal or two, he moves himself into an elite space as an Aston Villa right back. I just love his tenacity. I really do. I just think on that, down that right side, um, you know, he, he just never stops, does he? He's constantly, you know, looking to get, obviously looking to get forward, looking to join the attacks, looking to lead the attacks at times, but he's, he's, he's never far away. He's never out, that far out of position or, or um, you know, he's and he's always there with a tackle and, um, you know, sort of, you know, guiding guiding the ball out, guiding players out of out of out of play, and just just doing the right things for the team. I just think he's 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 got that. And we spoke last week, and I was I was I was talking about a time when when fullbacks were were judged on their defending, and um and that was it really. And 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 um clearly the game's moved on, and 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 things are things are different now. But you know. In back in the day, a, a right back that got two goals in a season would be considered um, that's that's a decent return, and you know they're two very very good goals he scored as well in wins as well. Um, I think what would be considered the winning goal in each game. So you know that this is this is this is positive, and it just shows a a willingness, doesn't it, for him to have a go. He nearly nearly got a second goal as well. It was a, you know an excellent. Uh, Effort really um, from a from a fairly tight angle. So um, I really like him. I, I I like him as a as a character. He's one that I would like to keep. I think obviously if 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 transfer figures get ridiculous, then the club have to have a duty to have a look at these things, don't they? But um, certainly he's not one that I'd be um, uh, letting leave for for you know probably less than. Less than double what we paid for him. I think he's 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 certainly doubled his value um, and then some. So uh, um, really good. And of course he's a he's a Polish international now, which 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 is a great thing for him. And um, yeah, just a, a, a really great moment, a bit of an emotional moment for him, I think. And you know, uh, fair play to him. Do you think that takes him to the next level, the Polish international thing? So you, you've seen it in the championship with uh, Brereton Diaz at Blackburn, who seems to have become a different player since they discovered he was Chilean. And I think it's the same with, with Matty Cash. He's kind of... I mean, firstly, it shows a lot of character to go and play for, for Poland and kind of, you know, to, to put yourself in that difficult situation and to go test yourself at the highest level. And we've seen not 
average players become great players when they step up to the international scene. And I'm not saying Matt Cash is average because he's far from it, but I really think we might see a lot more from him from kind of rubbing shoulders with great players. Like you said, with Lewandowski and players like that. I mean, he's it can only improve him as a human and a player. And yeah, I mean, I mean sorry to and Diaz there. I'm not not dismissing his ability whatsoever, but it's just interesting when players get obscure international call-ups and suddenly become much better for it. Brereton Diaz was a was was not on my <laughs> podcast bingo card today. I tell you, fair play, Daniel. Fair play. I'm sure I remember him scoring against Villa for for Nottingham Forest. I probably did. I think it was a late winner or something at, at the City Ground. Um, after I think Grealish had been sent off for kicking the ball away, I, I, I might be conflating different different games. I'm not sure, but you know he, he's he's one that's been there or thereabouts, and obviously you know highly thought of. But um, yeah, another another product of uh, Nottingham Forest, um, you know, making waves in the in the inter, on the international scene. And <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's um, it's very possible. I think, and certainly. From a psychological perspective, I think being an international footballer, um, being involved in in, um, in in international fortnights and, and going away and playing playing football is is with with a whole new group of players, a new manager, a new set of ideas. It's bound to have a an effect, isn't it? It's bound to have, and the way they've welcomed him as well. Mm. You know how they've. You know they've they've kind of really kind of taken to him by 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 all accounts. So that's got to have a an effect on the on these confidence, hasn't it? I I like the hum yeah I think so, and I like the humility to do that to take that choice. I think you realistically, with the best will in the world, Matty Cash would have had challenges um, being able to be England's right back, and that's not because he's bad, but obviously the you know the the. Uh, the, the deck is a little bit stacked in that one with the likes of obviously the aforementioned Alexander Arnold, Carl Walker, Reese James, Trippier, uh, Wambisaka, uh, James Justin, Lamptey, who we saw uh, at Brighton. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so it would have been challenging for him. So the fact that he said, okay, I want to be an international footballer. I have this heritage um, through, I think, his uh, uh, grandparents on his mother's side. I'm going to go and, and try and be an international footballer and embrace that heritage, I think, is a wonderful thing to do. And I think that it can only, yeah, I think I agree with everything everything you both said there. I think it can only boost your morale and boost your kind of, almost your, your without trying to get too hippy-dippy about it, it, it just boosts your kind of world understanding, like you're exposing yourself to a different group of people, different cultures, and that can only be enriching for you as a person and also as a professional footballer. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think it's um, it's a great thing and it, it may even have, have drawn, if Madrid are interested, if Atletico Madrid are interested, it may have drawn their attention to him as well, mightn't it? So... Uh, you know, it's it's a great thing, um, but it felt it felt like Villa were in in another battle, really, and would would need another goal, at least to be sure of the three points. Uh, despite that, Brighton did their usual trick of having most of the ball, but but threatening very little, aside from uh, McAllister firing off the bar um, in the first half. The midfielder, uh, the midfield, sorry, has has come into some criticism of late, in particular. Douglas Louise and John McGinn um, taking a lot of the rap for some of the lightweight displays. Um, they they certainly seem to have somewhat more control in this game with with Coutinho almost, almost playing at the point of the diamond. Um, 
almost man marking Bissouma by the looks of it. And um, but what 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 was better this week? Do you think in in that in that midfield engine room from from Villa what had changed? The team shape in 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 a in a snapshot. The team shape changed and it helped them out. I mean, Haley uh, Gabriel Selassie, uh, for any fans of long distance running, wouldn't have been able to cover those distances for Aston Villa in the last few weeks. Douglas Louise had didn't have a, a hope in, uh, you know, a, a snowball's hands, a chance in hell of doing it. Um, it's just impossible for Douglas Louise to cover that giant space because in the previous few weeks, we have had Dinya and Matty Cash flying forward remarkably Ramsey and McGinn filling in at right back and left back respectively and then all of a sudden Paul Douglas is on his own and looking in front of him and he's got Coutinho he's got he's got a couple of half-sized men in Coutinho and, and Buendia in front of him who one of neither of which are particularly uh shall we say commanding in terms of physical presences on the on the field so he's been you know he's been hung out to dry a little bit uh Douglas Louise by the formation and, and and he's been dug out by a lot of Villa fans. Douglas Louise is, is class. I said when Steven Gerrard took over that, that Gerrard's system requires more of a destroyer as a number six, whereas it seemed that Dean Smith's um, system based on history of Harahan playing there, Ryan Woods playing there, uh, Romain Sawyer's playing there. Uh, Dean Smith likes more of a footballer in that position. So if you need a footballing number six, Douglas Louise is your man. If you need a destroying number six, he's not your man. It's our marvelous goldfish. <laughs> so Douglas Louise has been has been has been unfairly um, unfairly harangued, I think, from the Villa fan base in the last few weeks because I don't think he's had again a snowball's chance in hell of being able to cover all that ground and do everything that needs to be done to to cover cover up this formation. So I think that this this more conservative approach benefited Douglas Louise. I think it benefited John McGinn as well, um, who's also probably been hung out to dry a little bit by being asked to play as an auxiliary right back, which is obviously not inside of his comfort zone. And once they were restored to their more natural positions against Brighton, I don't think it's any surprise that both of them were able to have much more successful games. And both of them looking far, far better than £50 million uh, uh, Messiah Basuma. <laughs> I think Craig's bang on there about the team shape. It's it's been madness. We've got a midfield that's better going forwards and it is coming backwards, and we've been making them defend the whole time. So so well done, Stevie G, for changing that. The doggy issue is such an interesting one. I mean, he's he's almost encapsulates Villa at the moment in the fact he's good in patches but can't put together a complete performance. And I think we saw that again here. He was vastly improved, but just before he came off, he mispaced a, a pass in a criminal position and almost gave Brighton a, a, a guilt-edged opportunity to go down the other end and score. And the camera kind of cut to Steven Gerrard, who was losing his mind on the bench about it. And, and maybe it's coincidence that he came off seven minutes later. Maybe it's not, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to not see Dougie start the next game and that's not a reflection on Dougie's ability I think he is a superb midfielder probably a bit of a square peg in a round hole at the moment for us but there's a reason why you don't see young number sixes in the Premier League or in any leagues really and that's because you it takes an older head to play there it takes someone who knows when to when to play and and Dougie's kind of almost learning his trade on the job at the moment so he's going to make mistakes and 
And like Andy and I said about Ollie Watkins a few weeks ago, you need to look at yourself if you're criticising Villa players in the way that Dougie's got criticism. But I think he, he could possibly do with a spell outside of that number six position because I think we're, we're not doing him any favours by putting him there. And, and even though he's vastly improved at the weekend, he shows in those little moments like that misplaced pass on the edge of the Brighton area. He's, he's still not quite the finished article there and it, and it will cost us points. It's like trying to blood a young goalkeeper at this level. It's just a vital position that you can't really get give give kind of young players the time to get their training wheels off. But but fair play to him. He keeps turning out for us. And, and you know, I think he could do with either a spell out the team or a spell in one of the wider midfield slots so he can do his thing. But, yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see him drop next week after that little five-minute moment of Gerard losing his mind and then substituting him. I wonder whether his, his time in the team um, might be dictated as well by the contract situation and... The fact that if 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 it is likely, what you know, once Villa have maybe at least secured their Premier League survival, um, so once we've got a couple more wins, um, hopefully that will be soon, and then um, Gerard can can start to look more to next season, can't he? And if if Dougie isn't going to be part of Aston Villa next season, then you know really he's got to he's got to be giving giving minutes to to players that are likely to be there and and um, with the best will in the world. Um, unless Dougie signs a new contract. I mean, I don't know whether he's even been offered a new contract, So, but unless he signs one, um, the, the likelihood is he'll be off, won't he? So it makes sense for him to to, to sit out and allow, like, like Sanson, some, some minutes or or the camber when he's back, you know, that sort of thing. So... Um, I think, and and of course, um, Irugbanum, who's who's came on at the weekend, you know, he he might find himself kind of thrust into the into the uh, the number six position, and then we'll we we might find out whether uh, whether Dougie is no good or whether <laughs> how you know exactly how good this young lad is. So um, you know, we'll, it's good we'll to see. see him get minutes though with Irugbanum. He's kind of it's another academy prospect coming through and. and yeah, I'd love to see him get a few more minutes so we can see what we've got there. And I think on your point about Dougie, it's, as much as I kind of kind of criticise him a little bit, I'd hate to see him go. He's undoubtedly going to be a world-class midfielder. And if he goes on to achieve that somewhere else, I'd be heartbroken. Because I think he's, there's no doubt in three, four years' time, he's going to be top level. It's just whether he sticks around for Villa for that. But I'm with you on that, Andy. If he's not going to sign a contract, get him on the bench, give someone else those minutes because they're wasted on him. Yeah, definitely. Um, but Villa continued um, to go after the, the clincher in the second half um, with Coutinho going closest with an excellent free kick, which was well saved by Sanchez. Um, then a wonderful direct move as Tyro Mings um, collected the ball from Martinez and delivered a wonderful long pass, which Watkins was first to. Um, his first touch um, teed, him, teed himself up beautifully. Uh, to finish clinically past Sanchez. Um, it was a bit reminiscent of Villa's first goal back in the Premier League at, at Tottenham uh, a couple of years ago when Mings delivered a similar pass for McGinn um, on that day. Um, it was an excellent finish from Watkins, whose celebra- his celebration told told us exactly what it meant to him um, after his, his recent barren run, Dan. Yeah, I mean, yes, Ollie. 
Uh, yes, we needed that. He needed that. Uh, the celebration was great to watch him thumping his chest, thumping the badge. You could almost see the weight of the world coming off his shoulders. And and I think that's what he's needed. The, the old adage that sometimes strikers just need one to go off their backside, I think, has been particularly true of Ollie this year. And I mean, after the goal went in, I, I know Craig said he, it's like he was wearing lead boots. I think after the goal went in, he looked like a different man. He was he was pressing a bit harder. He was chasing a bit faster. He just looked like a better all-round player. And I mean, I expect now we'll see a run a run of form from him. He's he was a streaky player last season, and I think he he'll be that again now. But I just feel so good for him. He's he's one of those players. I'd say he's top of my list of Villa players I'd like to go for a beer with. He just looks like a good guy. He's the guy who'd always go to the bar for you. He'd probably not drink so he can drive you home afterwards. He's he's <laughs> up there on my list of, of Villa players to go for a beer with. And 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 it's good to see him doing well because I didn't like him having having a sad look on his face. So it's nice to see that see that smile back on Ollie's well, speaking face. Speaking of going out for for a beer, I think uh, Ollie Watkins' recent run is like a teenager going out in the pool and just really coming home empty-handed <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> You know, you just you feel like are you ever gonna are you ever gonna pull again? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you you snag a beauty as he did uh, here against uh, Brighton, a, a beautiful goal again. Uh, that first touch was 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 wonderful, as you say, Andy. I think um, some of his close control absolutely improved after that, uh, owing to the, the boost in confidence. You know, just like a, a young person out on the pole. And uh, a wonderful, wonderful stat here for Ollie Watkins. Um, for those of you who haven't seen, I think this was courtesy of uh, Matt Mayer. I want to say um, that Ollie Watkins has now got to twenty Premier League goals for Aston Villa in the fifth quickest time in our Premier League history no prizes for guessing who's number one that was that's Christian Benteke who got there in just 35 appearances which for a relegation threatened side is obscene Dion Dublin uh, in 39 games Darren Bent in 44 games uh, John Carew in 49 games and uh, Ollie Watkins has got there in 59 games ahead of the likes of Saunders, Milosevic, Daly Angerson, Juan Pablo Angel, Julian Jochim and of course Talk Sports ever popular Gabby Agbonlahor, Gabby the Shisha Pipe Agbonlahor. So um, really nice company there for Watkins. I think other than Benteke, Carew, Darren, Ben and Dublin were all playing in better teams, better Villa teams than than, uh, than Watkins is playing in. So really good for him to get to the 20, 20 goal mark now. And, um, and hopefully he can push on that six goals now in the Premier League for this season. Um, he's not going to do what he did last season with the 14 league goals, probably highly unlikely to get there. But if he can get another four for the rest of the season, get back into double figures, I think that is a that is a, a decent second season from Ollie Watkins and one that he can build on to as he hopefully continues as a Villa player. But as we're talking about Watkins, there has been, and it's fair to say, there has been heavy speculation Um David Ornstein at The Athletic, a, a, probably a tier one journalist, has said that there is concrete interest in Ollie Watkins from Arsenal. So if this is the end of uh, Watkins' uh, Villa story, the last 13 games here, let's let's back him, let's support him and, and let's enjoy him because he's been a wonderful uh, signing for, for, for Aston Villa, I think. Yeah, I think it's, um, I suppose we've all been a, a little bit critical of him, haven't we? And the main thing... Um, I think that you know Dan alluded to it there is is just the way he kind of berates himself and how utterly miserable he looks you know when things aren't going well I think it's unusual to see that off a player 
usually players are quite deadpan or quite quite chipper, really. I suppose you know they don't uh, they don't necessarily show that that neg- those negative emotions um, quite so much, and it's not it's not outwardly sort of angry. It's very sort of you know internally kind of critical and. And I don't like to see that. Maybe that's the the mental health nurse in me. I, I you know I don't I don't like to see <laughs> to see that um, from people. And um, you know he he has no reason to be like that. He's 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 an excellent player. We said last week he's been a he's been an excellent signing for 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 Villa. Um, you know, but every player goes through a bad spell and maybe it is when we expected, we thought we saw him last season, we thought, well, he's going to kick on and get better next season. But it is that like a, like a, like a great band, you know, that, that, that difficult second album that it's the difficult <laughs> second season, isn't it? For, for Ollie Watkins. And maybe he's just taken a little bit. He's taken time to adjust to Grealish not being there. He's taken time to adjust to having competition from, from Danny Ings. Um, that would have, you know, maybe felt a bit a bit weird, and then of course um, losing Dean Smith, um, you know, who who undoubtedly would have given him massive confidence being his manager, the amount of belief that he had in him. But I think Gerard has belief in him as well. I think it would have been very easy to just drop Watkins and not not bring him back in, um, but he he has brought him back in, um, and uh, and it's paid off. You know, I th- it was a, it was a finish. It you know, I said it reminded me of McGinn a couple of years ago, but it was it was a finish reminiscent of of, of the kind of goal Jamie Vardy would score. You know, getting on the end of something, using his pace, using his strength, good touch, great finish. You know, clinical, and and that's what we need to see more of from from Ollie Watkins. You know, more sort of, you know, none of this. He's been too fluffy, too stodgy lately. It needs to get back to being good first touch, holding the ball, bringing players in. You know, when he gets a chance, he's 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 working the keeper, and and you know that's that's what we want to see from him. Yes, no, it is, it is, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it is absolutely what we see from. Him. And 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 you talk about first season, Ollie Watkins. That goal was reminiscent of the Ollie Watkins we saw in the first season. That was. Uh, you do you remember how excited we all were after that? Uh, I wasn't doing the podcast then, so I, I don't know that you were both excited, but I assume that you were. Um, after that Liverpool game where he scored this incredible hat-trick, he, he rolled Joe Gomez, who keeps being linked to Villa, by the way, and I do not like it. <laughs> I do not want Joe Gomez. The, the You know, you talk about made of, made of uh, sugar glass to replace Ezri Konza. No, no, no. But anyway, uh, back to Watkins. Lovely. Turns Joe Gomez inside out because Joe Gomez isn't very good, by the way. And bangs one into the top corner. Uh, scores a header. Just yeah, It's just that decisiveness which comes with confidence, you know. But, you know, as we say, Watkins has, has pulled now. And he hasn't pulled in the new school way. It's not Grinder or Tinder or any of that any of that newfangled nonsense he went out old school he went to the bar and he pulled the the, the old-fashioned way and he got that goal i don't know where i'm going with this but probably uh on to manscaped i would imagine one of the things i love about the pod is every week i get an insight into craig's teenage years it's just kind of you know, imagine I was snobs too- kind of going up talking to women all night in a dry patch it's <laughs> I spent way too many Wednesday nights in snobs when I was at university. Um, so, time well to spent, anyone, Craig. it was they <laughs> they used to do fifty p. This is before snobs moved, by the way, the old one. 
They used to do, uh, that's how uh, not, I'm aging myself now. They used to do 50p shots of gin that would, Oof. it was like paint stripper. It would tear the, it would tear the flesh from the back of your throat. <laughs> and we used to go in on them because they were 50p. Obviously we had 50p even as students. Anyway. So. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway. Ooh. Okay. So on, on the subject of Craig's dry patches, um, I think it's <laughs> I think it's time for a word from our from our beloved sponsors. <laughs> okay, he's composed so, himself. <laughs> no, I, I I don't even know what I'm I'm going to say. But you know, Manscaped. If you are on the pull, um, you know, if 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 the world doesn't descend into nuclear holocaust in the next several days, and as we are descending, uh, emerging from the pandemic, as numbers are dropping. Um, across the world it is time as the spring approaches to get your glad rags on get out and about get into those bars restaurants clubs etc etc support those local businesses and see if you can meet a friend maybe a special friend a special friend that you can do special things with in your special areas areas that only special people see and you need to take care of your special area. And the best way that you can take care of your special area is by visiting www.manscapes.com. They have a full range of wonderful products from grooming uh, and grooming solutions in terms of wonderful razors, healing and soothing balms, great ball deodorants, absolutely wonderful underwear to keep your man parts smelling fresh and dry. And you can do that at www.manscape.com. Get ready for the spring. Get ready for the summer. Get ready for chasing whoever you want to chase in a wonderful, wonderful way. And make sure that you're ready for action with www.manscape.com. And make sure that you use our promo code, which is LAMP, L-A-M-P. That's LAMP, L-A-M-P. Uh, we're in checkout to get 20% off and free shipping worldwide anywhere in the world internationally excellent it doesn't matter where you are excellent. you might be in Gibraltar. you might not free shipping anyway <laughs> thanks craig thanks for clarifying the worldwide yep. shipping thing um <laughs> cheers um it was it was a most welcome uh, three points at the weekend for for steve and gerard and the players um as doubts have started to set in from the fan base um, there were reports in the Athletic that um, there had been um, a very different approach last week in training, as more emphasis was given to kind of team building type work rather than kind of the the, the hard training, which I think had had, um, had had kind of been occurring since Gerard came in. Um, Gerard himself had, had openly, um, you know, been determined to get his his ideas and information across to the players since he came in but does this change of pace suggest he may have misjudged that or is this just a natural kind of training that training becomes less intense later in the season yeah I mean hat tip to Greg Evans and the Athletic for a great scoop it's not one of those groundbreaking kind of transfer stories that you expect but it's a really interesting insight into the way things are going at Villa and and hat tip for Stephen Gerrard for being honest about it too like 
you know, when, when managers come into football clubs, it's not like you or I starting a new job. They don't come in with like a work buddy who takes them under their wing and shows them where to sit at lunch and where the toilets are and what they need to do. It's it's kind of dog eat dog. You've just got to go in and make up the rules as you go along. And and Gerard this week's kind of admitted that he got it wrong a little bit. And and that's not easy for football managers to do. And you know, he hasn't deliberately got it wrong. He he was hired off the basis that he had come in with a style of play and he's tried to implement that style of play. But as anyone who watched Villa during Dean Smith's last days knew, there's you know, that squad was not happy. There were there were fractures within the team morale and, and there were there were arguments in the camp in camp and and the players' confidence was on the floor and, and that was kind of papered over with the new manager bounce, but it started to rear its head again in recent weeks. We've seen players yelling at each other, kind of heads dropped too early and and yeah, he's done the right thing, I think, by stepping back and, and getting back to some good old fashioned team building and it, it it gives me hope because I was really worried last week that we were stuck with a manager who only had one way of doing things and didn't know how to adapt on the fly. And and this week with the new formation and this change in in, in team building during training, we're, we're seeing a manager who's willing to be flexible to get the most out of his players. And, you know, if it gets results, let's have paintball visits or quizzes, whatever they were doing for team building every week, a steak dinner, whatever they went and did. I'd, I'd love to see him do it every week. But um, no, I mean, it, it's it's an important thing is we need morale. And I think we suffered all season because we didn't have a proper preseason. And whether that's due to fitness tactics or, or proper bonding amongst the team, it's good to see Gerard addressing that this week. Yeah, credit where it's due. I think that um, Gerard adjusted it. The, the The formation wasn't working. If there's one critique, I think it probably took him too long um, to to adjust it. There was, you know, there's there's some really really big points we've left on the table in recent weeks. The likes of Leeds who are conceding three or four goals every week. No way we should be losing a two goal lead to them. Uh, no way we should be losing away to Newcastle as meekly as we did, even though Newcastle have picked up in form. And you've got to be doing better at home to Brighton. I mean, there's there's probably six to ten points have been left on the table in recent weeks, which if we had in the bank, we might be having a different conversation now about Europe. I think Gerard tried to run before he could walk. I think he tried to do things without the benefit as a pre- of a preseason, as 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 Daniel just pointed out, and without the benefit of, of real the real time to implement these strategies, I think the players looked confused, the performances were confused. And um, and it's really, it, it's counterintuitive to me because when he came in, he played as we played on Saturday, uh, on Saturday against Brighton. It was, and we won four out of the first six. So the fact that he kind of tore that up and started doing this mad fullback thing with McGinn and Ramsey, you know, filling in for the fullbacks and all that other nonsense that we've seen and then go, go on to one win in eight. It's disappointing to me that he took eight fixtures to realize, ah, oh, this isn't working. Maybe we'll go back to what worked for me in the beginning when we won four out of six, because it feels like a bit of a lost opportunity in terms of Villa, maybe, maybe, and it still would have been an outside chance having the opportunity to push towards Europe. Europe's, Europe's gone now, um, in more ways than one. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, we are, we're now on 30 points. So you, you have to say that um, hopefully it's been lessons learned for, for Gerard. There is room to have the Jurgen Klopp's and Pep Guardiola's of this world who just have their, who just have their formation, they 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 play come what may. Unfortunately, we do not have that calibre of player, generally speaking, so we have to be a little bit more pragmatic. I think 
Gerard's had his fingers burned and um and and I'm all for him trying as you said earlier Andy try whatever you want to do um this season but let's get to 40 points first and and then you know let's be safe and then do do what you want to do Stevie G but um I think that um definitely there's been a learning curve and hopefully this learning curve will stand Gerard in good in good stead um next season I think as Roy Hodgson said himself in in the interview last week he's like this is going to be a good learning curve for uh, Stephen Gerrard yeah, I think he has um, obviously reacted to to events, hasn't he? And I think I like to think as well, though, that there's some there's some method behind it. Um, we can't, you know, it's it's kind of it would have been easy, I suppose, for him to be um, to sort of be be ultra defensive. Um, he certainly came in at the start and he said, "Look, you know, there's a reason why I'm here. Um, we're not defending well enough, and I need to sort that out first, um, which he did for a little while." Um, but then I think he, he he felt the players had a little bit more in them, so he wanted to start to get some of his his ways into them really, and 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 to play in that that kind of way. And to some degree, it was it it, it worked. We have seen you know spells of some really exciting football. Uh, Coutinho has obviously helped a little bit with that. And if you have a player like that in the team, you want to. You want to play the type of football that that gets the best out of him, um, but obviously there comes a point where you have to say, well, no, we need some results, you know. So he's he's kind of pulled it back again. But I always go back to to Jurgen Klopp and this idea that you know you can you can drill different parts of the game at different times. You can't always do it all at the same time. Sometimes you have a spell where you set, you, you you're having to you're having to say right, we're we're going to be we're gonna we're gonna press really high. We're gonna do loads and loads of running, and whatever the outcome, this is what we're working on. And then you might then drop it off a little bit and say, right, we're not going to be doing the pressing. We're going to work on our on our block and that that kind of thing. And there are different. You can't do all that in training. You have to do it in games as well. Um, and it's a bit of a risk, but ultimately, you end up with that very rounded um, kind of squad and team that. That, that that Liverpool have, where they can they can kind of adapt to any kind of any kind of fixture really. So, um, it's it just takes time, and you know, a club like a club like Villa, we we react very quickly, don't we? Because we're not in a position where relegation is off the table. We're like Liverpool are. We can't afford um, to have really long barren runs um, whilst we whilst um, you know, we're working on certain parts of our game. So um, it's good that he's reacted like that. And it was good to see that actually when he has kind of implemented a more defensive um, formation, a more defensive system and tactics, the players have been able to do it. You know, they haven't been sort of stuck and not sure and, and that kind of thing. So they're obviously, you know, Gerard and Beal, etc. Obviously, getting this information across to the players effectively, and the players are picking it up and taking it on board. Um, it just doesn't always work, I suppose. Um, but I was, uh, you know, uh, but I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think we carry on like this now before until the end of the season, or do you think there is scope to 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 be a bit more expansive as well? I, I would say I'd repeat what I said uh, last week and earlier. Let's let's get over the line. Let's get those probably probably three wins you'd need. 
um, to get to 39 points and then and then do do as you please. And I will hold my hands up and say, if you want McGinn playing right back, Gerard, do as you like, mate. Just get us safe first. Um, and I will, I will, I for one will back the process. But um, as you say, we are not long established in the Premier League. This is only our third season. Um, and when you're sitting on 27 points with 14 games to go, having one in one in eight, people, you know, you get to, to, uh, you get the old Alex Ferguson squeaky bum time because you're a little bit worried about what's happening, particularly when teams below you, the likes of Watford, Burnley, Newcastle, have started putting runs together. It is a little bit frightening. So, that win against Brighton, I think, puts puts you know puts the, the dampeners on some of those fears. But still, we're not completely out of the woods. Let's get a couple more wins, and then I would say to Gerard, um, yeah, have at it, mate. Do what you want uh, for the rest of the season, uh, preparing for preseason and preparing for and preparing with the players that are going to be with you in the uh, in 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 uh, at the beginning of September uh, when we start again. Yeah, I think it, it, Gerard will probably hold his own hand up and say he's guilty of trying to run before he can walk. And it's easier to coach defensive positioning. It's why Allardyce and Hodgson have made careers for themselves in the way they have. It's why a lot of international football is defensive is because in a short amount of time, you can tell right backs where they should be standing, wherever the ball is, and central midfielders where they should be standing. And he's just not had time to implement the way he wants to play. And I think those early wins maybe got a bit carried away and thought he had Better, better players available to him than he actually has. And I, I'd like to see him rein it back in. Let's just, as Craig says, let's get it over the line. I was genuinely worried last week that we were going to be the team that got sucked into the mud. But luckily Leeds are doing that for us at the moment. But let's <laughs> let's get over the line and then let's worry about fancy formations and pressing. Let's, let's just get to that 40 points by hook or by crook. Yeah, I hate to see Leeds doing badly. I really do. It breaks my heart. Um, <laughs> but on Saturday, um, Villa welcomes Southampton to Villa Park as Gerard's men look for their first home win since Leicester in December. Southampton um, have been on a decent run of form, most most recently registering a 2-0 win against Dino's Norwich. And it was, of course, the Saints who put the final nail in, in Smith's coffin with a 1-0 win over Villa at, in, at, at St Mary's last November. Ralph Hassenhortel is considered one of the more tactically astute coaches in the league and will have his team well drilled for this one. But Villa will be looking to make another step forward um, to the top half um, of the of the league. And there would be no better time for Danny Ings to hit the goal trail than against his old club this weekend. Um, it feels like there won't be really many changes for this one. Um, or do you think it could be time for, for maybe Morgan Sanson or, or will Emi Buendia get his place back? I would be surprised if he changed it after getting a, a winning formula and a comfortable win against what is a, a good Brighton side. Um, Danny Ings, you know, I, I hit the goal trail. I mean, you know, touch the football. You know, can, can you touch the football more than 15 times, Danny, do you think? You can you be I am I know I'm being ultra harsh. I wouldn't I wouldn't talk this way by the way about like a young player or a new signing. It's just because he's an England international, 29 years of age, 30 million pounds. That means the expectation goes up, and I expect more from players of that ilk than I would from a, 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 a Jacob Ramsey, for example, or even a Keenan Davis or a Cameron Archer. I expect a lot more from Danny Ings. It's time for him to, to start to hit the ground running. He's got um, a strike partner now, um, apparently, in Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins doesn't necessarily have 
similar traits to Che Adams. Um, but Ollie Watkins certainly is, well, he's a better player than Che Adams for a start. He, he worked very hard for the team. And, and Danny Ings, um, you know, it, it would be a perfect time for him to have his first good game for me in a Villa shirt. And, um, you know, stake his claim for a future here. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope Danny Ings goes on to be a wonderful signing. And I hope that we listen back to this episode. And I, you know, was found not for the first time to be talking entirely out of my backside. Um, but the proof in the pudding is the eating. And um, it's time for uh, Danny Ings to serve us up some chocolate ghetto. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I I actually wouldn't be surprised to see us go back to the two tens for this one, purely because I think the, the two nines made sense against the back three that Brighton play, whereas Southampton, if you can beat them in central midfield, you can beat them. And, and I think having the extra bodies in there to sit on Romeo and, and Ward-Prowse would, would do as well. I also suspect we'll see Doggy drop for this one. I don't know who for. Probably McGinn goes to the to the DM and Samson comes in, but, but who knows? Um what I would say, though, is this is a proper test and it, it's a really a barometer of where we're going. I, I said when Smith got sacked that, that I'd like Hassan Hurtel in because I think he's a brilliant manager and, and Southampton is where we should be aiming for in the league. The, if we win this one, we'll be two points off of them. And, and I think that if we could finish above them, then that's that's real evidence of progress because they're, they're a good good sign of a well-run Premier League club and and despite any dramas they have behind the scenes selling their best player to Villa this year they're still having a cracking season so I think win this one and and it and it would be good but I think more than anything it's um we're still yet to have that standout Gerard Villa performance and I think the times the times got right for that to happen we've had gritty wins we've had lucky wins we've had some horrible defeats I think we really need to start seeing seen some proof of this pudding that Craig was talking about and it'd be nice to have that real you know that stamp of Gerard style on a on a match and a real standout performance that that he can hang his hat on for the rest of the season yeah it's one of them isn't it where he's kind of think well he's not he's not been one has he for, for for changing the team an awful lot and we were kind of bemoaning that a few games ago where he, he kept picking the same the same team for even though they were performing so badly um, having, you know, apparently struck on on a on a formation maybe that worked quite well last week. It's whether he he has the 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 um, you know the, the the mental fortitude, I suppose, to go well. Actually, no, it's horses for courses, and we probably need something a bit different for this one. Um, I don't think. I mean, you know, we've talked about it, and I, I, you know, I want to give Danny Ings every opportunity to to repay that 30 million but i just don't think he's going to and i think i think really we have to you know you have to get you your best players in the team and he's not he's not a functional part of that team at the moment is he um so i'd as harsh as it would be to to drop him against his old club um i'd probably i'd probably leave him out and bring in either Buendia or or Leon Bailey for this one and um you know, try something, something different again. Really, so um, I'd certainly do that. And yeah, maybe maybe Douglas Louise might get might get a rest, and Sanson coming on the other day, and 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 obviously Irogbenham coming on as well, kind of suggests, you know, maybe those two are getting closer, maybe to 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 forcing Gerard's hand um, on on in the midfield. So. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but like we say, the, the other thing is caution has to 
kind of um, be the main thing. And whilst we're still kind of short of the the necessary points to stay up, really, we have to get over the line first, as, as Craig says, and um, maybe um, a bit of conservatism won't uh, won't go amiss this weekend. Um, but any predictions, guys? Who's going first? I'll go last. Okay. <laughs> I'll, shall I um, go first? Yeah, go on, Andy. Okay, I'm going to go 1-0 Villa. That's what I was going to go. I think it's going to be a tight 4-1. <laughs> I'll go 2-1 Villa then. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Okay. Oof. Okay, well, you know, I'd probably I'd probably take any of those going in <laughs> going into it <laughs> as I'm walking up to Villa Park on Saturday. Um but yeah, thanks for thanks for joining me guys. Um uh thanks for a, a, another great conversation. Um if you are going to Villa Park, um, enjoy the day, uh, make the most of it. And um, if you obviously are in need of some Manscaped products, then go over to our, our partners there at manscaped.com uh, and use our code LAMP for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Um, and also check out our website, underagaslitlamp.com and follow us on, on social media. Um, but other than that, Hope everyone's well, stay safe and up the villa.